Episode 30, what? Uh, just <laughs> wrong. Okay, take two. Episode 51. Okay. I'm Jules. I'm Cece. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How are you today? <laughs> oh, I'm doing good, don't you know? I can't do it any longer. Even though I that's can't either. Some of you guys think I sound like. So I hope that, that you all don't think that we sound like that. That's they not okay. Do. Whatever. We took uh we took a dinner break and you ate the Lord's fowl. I did eat the Lord's fowl. It was you delicious. went to the Chick-fil-A. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. It was delicious. I got I got uh Anna a bag of ice from there with a little pellets. She likes that. You can order you could just be like, Can I get a bag of ice? It costs a dollar sixty. That's fucking She's so weird. Happy. She loves their okay. ice. She likes to eat it. I don't know. That's that's Whatever. fucking weird. Okay. It lasts her for like weeks. I, I got to hug the baby. I had Aww. a squishathon. She's so cute. Got to hug the baby. I love her. She is. She was like, she was rocking out. She was kicking her legs and wiggling real hard. And then she looked over and was smiling at uh, at Concrete Kira. Yeah, she's so She's like, that's my mom. <laughs> Oh, I love it. That's what she did. I really love it. Okay. Do you want to just like hop right in? Because these people have been waiting like two weeks at this point to hear about the big Alcatraz escape. And I think I added some more notes this morning on this. I went a little bit deeper. It's like, you're going to go, it's like big time. Yeah. So this might take a bit or might not. We'll find out. You never do know with these things. I never know what I'm going to do. You never know. Yeah. Very inconsistent. I don't know what I'm going to say most of the time. I know. Okay. Okay. So for those of you who listened to the first episode, it's been maybe a couple weeks, and we talked about the history of Alcatraz, and we talked about the really strict rules that went on there and why people didn't like to be there. And then we talked about that it housed some major gangsters like Al Capone and Machine Gun Kelly, like not the new Machine Gun Kelly, but the old one. And then not the one that's banging Megan Fox. Yeah. And there's the there's, real deal. Yep. And there's the Birdman. And then so it had these like famous people, but then it also had these people that tried to escape from a lot of other prisons. And that's where our escape number 13 comes into play. So let's let's start talking about them. Is it lucky 13? It might be lucky 13. It might be unlucky 13. We don't know, which is the crazy thing. So I'm curious to see how you feel about it mm-hmm. when we're done. Okay. So this escape attempt occurred in 1962 when three inmates frank morris and brothers john and clarence anglin managed to escape Uh, i'm gonna mention here just because i feel like you should know that old-timey clarence anglin was hot like i whenever i was he was hot he was or i think that he was like very attractive and it's been kind of distracting to me and made me somewhat (laughs) biased about him like i feel like he could have tricked me <laughs> you were twirling your hair when you were talking i have about an, him. i have a crush on this like a timey criminal girl yeah that's he's also pretty dead 
Yeah, but like, right? do you, can you just look up a picture of him really quick on the internet and tell me how you feel I about will. it? I will. Just keep, look up the England brothers. Okay, so how do you spell it? A N G L I N. His name is Clarence Anglin. So if you are watching and you're in a safe space where you can Google the Anglin brothers, like, I don't know. Tell me if you think that they're hot. Like, I'm distracted. I would have helped them escape from Alcatraz, probably. England brothers. Let's see. Well. I'll cut some of this dead space out. Brothers. Let's see. Um. John and Clarence. Mm-hmm. Two men. Uh, which one are you macking on? The not hot John, one. right? No, England. Oh, you mean not- Clarence? Clarence? Clarence. Clarence. Clarence is better looking than John, but I don't think that it's doing for me what it just did for you. Clearly. He's hot enough for you. Am- like he's not hot enough for you to help him escape from prison. He's not hot enough for me to help escape him from prison. Okay, well, whatever. All right, let's go back. She's let's... crushing on him. I don't you guys, know. Like, I'm she's, just like, oh, my god. She's like, she's, maybe you guys were together in a past life. Maybe. Maybe this is, maybe that was your your dude. Maybe that's why Did I got you so help into him? this. Maybe. I guess we'll find out when Man. I do a past oh, life regression. He... Okay, let's see. He arrived there. It said uh, Clarence don't, okay, arrived. Don't, don't, on... don't, don't. Okay, I'm going to talk <gasps> okay. about him in a minute. Okay. It's, it's you just get to look at how hot he is. Stop looking at things. Okay. So we're going to back up, though. We're going to talk about this first guy named Frank Morris. So he was born Ooh. on September 1st of 1926 in Washington, D.C., and he did have a troubled childhood. His bandit, his ba- his Bannon? His what does that even mean? His parents abandoned <laughs> his parents? him. His parents are called Bannons. Bannons. That's no. Name. Okay, this is a sad part. Okay, I'm a Bannon. His parents, ab- yeah, his parents abandoned him at the age of eleven, and he spent the rest That's of his childhood funny. in foster homes. Yeah, um, he was first arrested uh. at the age of thirteen for burglary, and was subsequently <gasps> placed in various juvenile detention facilities. Where he For had Berglund. to serve lunch to prisoners. <gasps> so he was. Burgle, burgle. Yeah, he was, he a, was lunch a lunch lady. lady. Yeah. It was a bummer. With a hairy mole. Yeah. And so he was eventually let out, but by his late teens, he had been arrested for offenses ranging from narcotics possessions to armed robbery. And he just continued the criminal activities into adulthood and was later arrested for grand larceny. I'm going to have a hard time in this episode. Grand larceny in Miami Beach. Um, he also had car theft that they were charging him with and armed robbery. So a thing to know about him, though, besides that he was a criminal, was that he was in the top 2% of the population with an IQ of 133. And he was known for his I intelligence. Thought, I, I thought you were going to say he was in the top three of hot guys. Ever. No, this isn't the right. This isn't the hot guy. This is a different guy. Oh, oh okay. He might also be <laughs> high. I don't even think I looked at him. Okay. I was too busy looking at Clarence. So, but no, top 3% of, of the population, 133 for an IQ, 
He's intelligent, resourceful. He has this ability to plan and execute complex schemes, which you will definitely see through this story. When he first was caught, he served time in Florida and Georgia and then escaped from mm-hmm. Louisiana Pen- State Penitentiary while serving 10 years for bank robbery. I did um, confirm with the doc that it's penitentiary. Penitentiary. Okay. Yeah, and he was he was not being nice about us. I know. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Try. Like I always okay. said it in my head, but I just I think I've never said it out loud. Okay. So be like, hey, after buddy. he escapes from Louisiana State Penitentiary, he was on the run for a year, but then gets caught because he was doing a burglary and he gets sent to Alcatraz. On January 20th of 1960 as inmate AZ-1441. The history okay. of escape attempts and his reputation as a skilled criminal contributed to his placement at the high security confines of Alcatraz. And Morris also saw Alcatraz as an opportunity. Um, he viewed it as a For challenge what? to his skills and intellect. And he really wanted to plan what would become one of the most famous and daring attempts at escaping prison ever that's a pretty cool goal i know and as we move forward you're gonna see exactly what this guy is capable of and it kind of pains me to think of what he could have been like he was he was brilliant honestly like you're gonna hear about all the things that he did during this and i just think about like what could have happened and what this guy would have been capable of if he hadn't had shit parents that gave him up at 11 i just think that's really crazy like how much people could use their brains for good when sometimes they go into these very elaborate schemes of being bad guys. Yeah, it's really a bummer. So the other people that we're going to talk about here, um, the brothers. So um, John William Anglin was born on May 2nd of 1930 in Donaldsonville, Georgia. And his brother Clarence, the hot one, was born on May 11th of 1931. All right, he was a talking about how hot he was. Okay, so uh, they did come from a super large family. I think they had like eleven kids, and they grew up in a poverty-stricken environment. The parents, George Robert Anglin and Rachel Van Miller Anglin, were seasonal farm workers. And in the early 1940s, when the boys were around ten-ish years of age, because they're really close in age, they moved mm-hmm. to Ruskin, Florida, which is about twenty miles or thirty-two kilometers south of Tampa. And there were uh-huh. like, like th- there were more like farms, like potato farms and tomato. No, not potatoes. I don't know what it was. I wrote truck farms. <laughs> what the fuck? Right. But there were tomatoes down there, and it helped. Them I was like, I money. don't know of any potato farms in Florida. I don't uh, know. I could be wrong about that, but that doesn't seem to be one of our crops. I don't think that's correct. That's an Idaho thing. No. We have them in Wisconsin. It wasn't potatoes. There were tomatoes. I think I'm like I'm I'm worried about what kind of other weird things are going to show up in these notes because I can tell that a missed dose of my <laughs> medicine earlier this week as my blood maybe not working quite right. Got some weird Your things brain's going on. not working. I'm scrambly. I have the scramblies today. So I got the scrambly egg brain. Right. Anyway, these people lived in Florida. It was easier for them to make more money there. But then in June every year, probably because it was fucking hot down there, they would travel north as far as Michigan to pick cherries. Oh, my. Yeah. Clarence and John were inseparable and were reportedly skilled swimmers. 
their siblings would be amazed by their polar plunging abilities. So I guess that they would sometimes be in Michigan earlier in the year and they would swim in Lake Michigan when there was still ice present. There's like ice like floating at the top and they would just like go around. I need to yell at my kid really quick because she's pounding a volleyball against the floor. Stop pounding the volleyball. It's going to pick up in the recording. Okay. Sorry. Should leave that in. Okay. Just kidding. Does Anna hate when we record because she feels like she's restricted? No, I restrict her all the time because I fucking hate the sound when she bangs the volleyball against stuff. I just want to like, I'm like, fucking go outside. Don't bang stuff around. <laughs> I hate when the dogs run around the house. I hate like the loud noise. Okay, sorry. All right. So these two engaged in a life of crime from a pretty early age. Clarence first was caught breaking into a service station at the age of 14. And in the early 50s, the brothers began robbing banks and other businesses together. But they would target businesses that were closed for the day to avoid injuring anyone. According to them, they that's nice. Yeah, they only used a weapon one time, and it was a toy gun that they used during a bank robbery. They did like a bank heist when it was open, and they used a toy gun. So how did so they, they end up being like the super baddest of the bad guys? Because of prison escapes. Uh, these guys were all there okay. for prison escapes. None of these guys were really that bad. So, I mean, like they were bad, but they weren't like murders, murderers. Um. So that makes it better. Yeah. This guy, like these two are known for their cunning and determination when it comes to eluding authorities and evading capture. Um, In 1958, John Clarence and then they had another brother named Alfred robbed the Columbia Savings Bank building in Columbia, Alabama. And this is where they got caught. They all received a 35-year sentence where they started at um, Florida State Prison and then transferred to Leavenworth and then to Atlanta. And they did try to... I feel like... I was going to say, I feel like everybody had a brother named Alfred. Everybody did. During this time. There were not a lot. There's only a handful of names available. If you think about it. There's more. There's so many more. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. So they did some bad things. They went to some prisons. Yep. They're in Atlanta. They try to escape from Atlanta multiple times. And because of this, we're eventually transferred to Alcatraz. So John went first on October 24th of 1960 as inmate AZ1476. And then Clarence followed on January 10th of 1961. And he was AZ1485, in case you care. Nobody cares. But... Um, They both, like, we don't have IQ scores for them, but they both are regarded as intelligent and resourceful. Um, It was a constant kind of challenge for the prison authorities to keep them under control because they're just trying to get out all the time. Stop it. Yes. And then there is a fourth co-conspirator, even though his name doesn't get brought up in this as often as it could. So this fourth guy, his name is Alan Clayton West, and he was born on... March 25th of 1929 in New York City. He grew up in a difficult home environment. He was exposed to a life of crime from an early age as well. He be- like what do you what do you mean? Like he when he was three, he, when he was three, he, he was robbed doing, a bank. He was doing and then armed he, robbery with the toy gun as well. Yes, like, and then at age five, he escaped oh, from a shoot. chain gang. In Le- he was age five. Yes, in Leavenworth. And, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know anything about this stuff. I just know that he okay. he was, like, involved in petty theft and burglary. 
and then eventually graduated on to more serious crimes like armed robbery and assault. Um, he was arrested over 20 times, though. So he would have been like he would have been like 30 ish years old, 20 times he's been arrested. And in 1955, the one that really landed him here was he had was arrested for carjacking. And this is where he was sent to Atlanta, where he met Morris and the Anglins. And then he was sent to Florida. Brothers England. Yes. And then he tried to escape from Florida in 1957. And so they sent him to Alcatraz. And he was prisoner AZ-1335. I don't Alca- remember any of those numbers. I know. I just added them because I found them. Uh, well, at Alcatraz, West was known for having deviant behavior. And he did have numerous unsuccessful attempts to escape. They didn't even make the first list. So I'm guessing they were, like, pretty bad. I don't think he was very Deviant good at behaviors, it. like, was he playing tricks on people? Was he pooping in his cup and giving it back to them when he was done? Like, what I'm did guessing, he do that was deviant? Like, I think he might have been headbutting people. And... Headbutting? No, I made that up completely. I don't fucking know what he oh, did. Oh, okay. Nobody really wants to talk about okay. him. I'll, like, I, I'll talk a little bit about him in this, but it's like, we don't know as much about him. Or, like, sometimes we think know. that he was kind of a liar, maybe, but we're not sure. So it's just oh, hard to know. He's a fucking liar. Well, it's the weird whole thing gets weird. We'll, we'll talk about him. So I'll, I, I do know that he was just involved in some violence toward prison staff and other inmates. And it just kind of, like, people thought he was dangerous and kind of volatile. So. Dangerous. He's yes. so dangerous. We're talking now December of 1961. And all four of these buddies from Atlanta are in Alcatraz now. And at this point, security measures and staffing at Alcatraz are not the same as what we had talked about in the early days on the last episode. It's not quite as secure anymore. And it's because society at this point is now calling for kind of more humane conditions. So the they're just kind of like mm-hmm. let things down. There's less guards and even less like they had less guards. It doesn't say exactly like what they went down to because I know there were three for every like three guards or three prisoners for every guard. I don't know what the number was here, but I three do understand. What? I don't know how many guards per prisoner at this point is what I'm saying. But I know that there's less okay, and then I know okay. that there's even less than the less than they wanted to have because there's a staffing shortage at this time. So it's really, I don't know how many, but just not the environment we talked about in the last one. So people didn't want to live over on, on the island anymore? Like I don't, It wasn't as much fun? Yeah, I think it probably wasn't as exciting of a place anymore. There was some stuff going on. I mean, like, I don't know about their stuff, but we'll talk about kind of the state of the building at this point in a little bit. So I do know, like, that there were... The rules that they had to. So we talked about these silence rules all the time before. Like they're allowed to talk now. Mm -hmm. Uh, They even changed. There were large tables in the cafeteria at one point that had 10 guys all at them. And they moved it down to having four like like square tables that only four people were sitting at. So you could have a more private conversation with your pals, which is going to play into things. Which is going to make people. Okay. What kind of smartness did they think they were doing? By letting the brothers Algin or whatever the fuck their England. name was. <laughs> England. <laughs> Who decided that those brothers got to be together? I know. And their other brother. I'm just thinking they're about Alfred. And I'm like, where they're are you at? Yeah. They're not a good idea. They shouldn't be together. I don't know. They didn't fucking care. 
there is more freedom for for inmates as well throughout the day they can talk more there's even this music hour every night where prisoners can have an instrument and just like jam <gasps> out with one another and so i'm thinking about i was it. gonna ask if they got to dance probably did but i'm just like imagining this is like a giant concrete structure and i'm just thinking to myself like holy shit i bet that sounded awful like, there's just dudes for an hour every night just playing a gazillion different instruments in this cold, damp, concrete building without rugs in it? No. Oh, my God. They had, like, jailhouse rock. I bet you it was so cool. I don't know. And they were jailhouse rocking, and they were singing stuff. They were like, one, two, three, a, No, I don't. Like, fucking Having a knows? dance party. Rock and roll. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't fucking rock know. roll. All right, so our four buddies from Atlanta, they take advantage of their meal times together whenever they can. The four of them sit together. Nobody else is really eavesdropping on them, and they talk about their passion for prison breaking. <laughs> they get three meals with 20 That's minutes apiece. Yeah, so they get an hour of planning each day away from other people. Oh, it's a lot. Yes, and this is where... Clarence Carnes. So if you remember on the last episode, we had the one that was the Battle of Alcatraz, where there was the one guy that was 19 mm -hmm. years old that didn't get the death penalty and he got a life sentence instead. Okay. So Clarence Carnes is going to pop in here again. So at this point, this is 18 years after that. He's been here for 18 oh. years at this point, or maybe 17 years or whatever, but it's... Wait, is he the one that was in the cave? No. He was, was part else? of the big battle... And he didn't get away. And the other two guys, he was like, he was with two guys that like they killed a guard and like two of the guys uh -huh. got death penaltyed and he didn't because he was 19 years old. So he just got manslaughtered. Yeah. So he's talking. Okay. okay. Yeah. So he's talking to Morris one day and he tells Morris because he's also passionate about prison breaks. And he's like, dude, there is this ventilator like shaft corridor thing that passes behind our cells. That's basically a secret passageway to the roof. And Ooh. the grate that's in the back of your shaft, this ventilation grate that's in the back of uh -huh. your cell is leading into this shaft. So he's like, oh, shit. Thank you for that tidbit so he tells his buddies the england brothers and alan west and they decide that they're going to get the fuck out of alcatraz they're going to do it they're going to do it. yes okay each of these cells has a six inch by ten inch vent cover that leads from the cell into the shaft the walls are eight inches thick so that's, that's a lot of thickness. Yes, of and eight by or six by ten is not enough for a human body to fit through. Obviously, no. They're looking at these and they're like, "What are we gonna do?" And they start to realize that the salty sea air is really breaking the concrete down in the walls of the entire prison. They're not in good condition anymore, and they can really kind of chip away at this concrete. And so they get what might have been a metal stake from another inmate. I'm not completely sure on this part i think i saw a picture of it so i think this is the accurate one but they said that they Where got a metal stake from metal another stake? i don't know there's a lot of contraband going around so 
they get this metal Clearly. stake and they begin to use they take their shoes off and they pound it into the wall to basically like they use like the shoe as like a hammer and like they pound hammer. it in the wall and they like perforated the wall so they would like make holes in the concrete oh, so that they could kind of like perforate it to like chip through but i also saw yeah. in one place that there was an electric drill that they had that was improvised like they took the motor of a vacuum cleaner apart from the prison and oh, made it into an electric guy. drill because of the genius guy. We'll talk more about like gotcha. kind of where he gets some of these ideas from. So that might have been part of it as well. But then what they did, so they perforated and then they took spoons from the cafeteria and they fashioned them into chisels. And then they would chip away at these holes, like the perforations that they made so that they can kind of like cut that part of the wall out. That's a but- sharp ass that's like a grapefruit spoon. It do- it looks like that in the end because I think they like sharpened it down. Like you see pictures of them oh. and it's pretty gnarly. Um, Way to go, Mega Brain. Yeah. And this is working for a little bit, but then they start to run into steel framing in the wall around the belt, like or around the vent. Mm. And they're like, shit, what are we going to do? But Carnes comes to the rescue again and he's like, hey, guess what? I have these hacksaw blades left over from when I tried to escape last time and the guards never found them afterward. So take these and use them to cut through the steel framing. And so they do. The process is super slow and it takes them nine months to cut. How does nobody catch them? Let's talk about that. So first of all, I'm like thinking about like when they're like pounding this like metal or the the metal stake into the wall to like make these holes in the first place. That would be so fucking loud. But what they do is they wait until the music hour every day. So everybody (laughs) is playing all these fucking instruments and jailhouse rocking. They're playing the drums. And they're like beating the shit out of it. So what they would do, they all had adjacent cells. Like their cells are all in a row, like one, two, three, four. Convenient. Yeah, which is a bad idea. But guess there's a lot of bad guys and they're like all these four buddies let's put them together these brothers let's place them in cells next to each other it just makes a lot of sense i think honestly that that's why west got pulled into it in the first place because like it doesn't seem like he's as smart as the other guys i think that morris was just like oh those brothers have a lookout i need a lookout this guy's next to me this is what we're going to do. I don't know. But so what they would do is they'd work in pairs. So one of them would be chiseling while the other one is looking for guards coming down the corridor and then they'd switch. Mm-hmm. And there's less people. And so um, there's also more to consider than just, you know, like we can make a hole, but there's also these guards that are like walking up and down the corridors at some point And you'd think right. that they would notice that there's like a fucking hole in the wall. But what they would do, so, like, in addition to just, like, hanging, like, their shirts and stuff like that to dry on their sinks that were, like, right in that area, like, you can see pictures of where it's kind of, like, blocking the view because it's, like, looks like they're just hung their shirt up there or whatever. They soaked magazines and water and smooshed them together to create cardboard. And then they made a fake wall and vent cover to go over the top of the area that they'd been chiseling. So they made it like look like it was like a panel basically that they could like. That is what I would do. Yes. And West, he worked as a painter in the building like that was his job detail. And so he was able to get the exact color of paint to cover the cardboard. Like he was able to arts and crafts that shit. So. Yeah, this is all like crazy. And then they also need to start to prepare for being gone from their cells and having enough time to slip away in the night and do some things. So they took up portrait painting at the prison, which was an activity that they could do. 
And they, like, this is these are the England brothers, right? And they're painting pictures of their girlfriends. According, like, they're just like, I'm going to paint a picture of my girlfriend really bad. But really what they wanted, like, they actually weren't bad painters. I saw the pictures. But it's like, <laughs> they really wanted this skin-colored paint. Like, they needed the right color for okay. it. So they would get the paint from there. And then they made, like, these fake paper mache heads. And they used, like, a mixture of soap toothpaste concrete dust and toilet paper and then they painted them to look like themselves and then one of the england <gasps> brothers had his work detail in the barber shop and so what he would do is he would cuff his pant legs at the bottom and then as he was cutting <gasps> hair he would let it fall onto his pants and it would fall in that cuff at the bottom of his pants and then oh at the end of the day God. he would collect it and hide it and then they glued it onto the paper mache heads so there was real hair and then, like, these, like, painted <laughs> head things. So that is they've so got these creepy. heads. And once they're able to get into the ventilation shaft, they could go there at night. They'd climb up in the ceilings and they would, like, climb the plumbing pipes to get, like, into uh -huh. the ceiling, basically. And they would use the paper mache heads at night to spend time back there trying to figure out how to get out. Holy shit. Yes. And then... So in addition to this, so, like, and they're, like they chipped away for nine months too in those cells. Like, so that's they would crazy. just take, they would take their paper mache head, and what like they would build place up it like like they would body like, well they would like make like a bed. fake body in the bed. I don't know what they used for that, but then they would place the paper mache head and they put it like on the pillow, far, like because all the guard can see is the top of their head. You know, like they've got blankets over their head. Like they just see like yeah part of the head and they're not going all the way in there and it's dark so oh my it worked God. they did it successfully for months <gasps> so they also needed to figure out how they're going to get off the island because swimming is kind of a scary dangerous thing so they decided that they're right. going to make a raft out of raincoats which wasn't a new thing other people had done this on their escapes or tried to anymore any anyway but um they had 50 raincoats that they used to make a raft and life preservers. And so the how they got this, like how they got these raincoats, is I guess that like even on sunny days, like they would like prisoners could be like, oh, I'm cold. I'm going to get a raincoat. And they weren't like checking out or like paying attention. And so like guys would go outside in a raincoat, but then they could like take off the raincoat out in the yard. Guys would go out there, take off their raincoats. And then one of the guys, I don't remember which guy it was, but he would like one of those guys was like layering raincoats. So he'd go out there and he'd <laughs> wear one raincoat out and then come back with two on. And then okay. they would just keep collecting them and bringing them back to their cell and jamming them through into the ventilator shaft so they could bring them up to this like workspace that we'll talk about in a minute. But so, how do you how do you inflate them? Okay. So let's talk about that. They needed at first they were like, we need like glue or something to like cut these raincoats up and make them into what we needed. But Morris was reading Popular Mechanics, or I think it was like Popular Mechanics was the, I can't remember what else, I have it in the notes somewhere else, but he was reading this article, yeah, Popular Mechanics was what it was, yeah. So he's reading this article, and he realizes that he can make a watertight seal by using the steam coming off of the pipe. So they would sneak back into that corridor from their cell, from the thing that um. they did. There's steam coming off some of these pipes, so he would melt the raincoats together, and it made this, like, really nice watertight seal. They made not only 
ra- a raft, but they also made life preservers for themselves. And they were like self-inflatable. Holy shit. I'll talk about what How they used were they to- How self-inflatable? Well, like you'd have to blow into it, but they had a plan and I'll talk about that later. But they could, okay. like you could blow into it yourself if you needed to, but like it's not going to stay, like there would be work involved in like keeping it inflated throughout the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the article that he used was called Your Life Preserver. How will it behave if you need it? And then there was another one that was called (laughs) Signposts of Water Safety. So it just like talked about channel buoys indicating the course and navigation hazards from Sports Illustrated. Like how to not die in the water, basically. Yeah, so they just got all these raincoats and they were working on this stuff. But they have run into this problem. They're like, where are we going to hide this fucking raft and life vests and do all this work? And so... West, who was that on the, the vents, right? Well, they did it first, but it got to be a lot, and the vent did get like looked at every now and then by guards. Okay. So West mm-hmm. was on the painting crew there. Like I said, he got the paint earlier that matched the cell block, but he was working at the top of the B block at the time, painting way up high. And so he told the guards that he was really worried that paint was going to drip down on everybody while they were painting up super high. So he was like, "Let's drape these blankets up here." To keep the paint from dripping down. But really the blankets were draped up there so that they could like use them basically to like put the raft up there and cover it. So they had like a raft and all their tools. They had to be so nervous all the time. Yeah. These guys were crazy. They're fucking nuts. They had to be nervous all the time that the raft was going to just fall out of the ceiling. I don't fucking know. It's crazy. I don't know if there was like a platform or something that kept it. I'm not really sure. I do know they also at this point... Um, like over this period of time, they constructed oars from plywood and screws. And I don't know how they got their hands on the plywood and screws. There must have been some kind of like, I know there was like a utilities area. They had different jobs. So they maybe. Sure. But you'd think that they'd like notice them going back to their cell with plywood. I don't know. It just you seems think. harder. Scraps put together. I don't know how big the oars were or anything. But I do know that other things that happened. So there is this guy named Robert Schill. Shibeline. I'm really sorry. I probably didn't say that right. I forgot to look at the pronunciation. That He's works. another inmate. Um, and he was actually interviewed on one of the, the programs that I watched on this. So he worked at the prison dock and he was able to snag a newspaper that had tide charts to tell them exactly which nights would work best for the escape. And they were able to use them to like, figure out which tide would be best to take them to the nearby Angel Island, which is two miles away from them. So they've done all this planning. They've done all this arts and crafts. They've got everything together. And on June 11th, 1962, they decided that this is the night that we're going to do this because of what's going on out Today in the water. Today is the day. Today is the day. So at 10.30 p.m., they are all going to get going. But when it comes time to leave, Alan West was having a hard time getting his, like, great thing to move over. So I guess that he had some crumbling concrete or he says that he had crumbling concrete around his vent. So he had used some cement to try to fix it, but Mm -hmm. the cement dried and made it so that the grill wouldn't move, even though like, it seems like they had been sneaking in and out for months. So I'm not really sure what's going on. Yeah. Why is this suddenly a problem? I think that maybe he was a nervous Nelly and was afraid of the water or whatever. I don't know. Like you'd. Okay. You should know that concrete's going to get hard. Like, why do you not know that? But Anyway, he doesn't go with them. And the other three put their fake heads in their beds and they dip out. 
They climb through the ventilator shaft and then they use a pry bar. Again, I'm not sure where this pry bar came from, but I guess there's, I mean, maybe it was this metal stake that they used to get through the thing. They used something though to get through these steel bars that were covering an air vent that was in the ceiling that would give them access to the roof. And so they climb through and when they're climbing through, like when they're moving the cover of this air vent, it makes a super, super loud noise. Like throughout the and entire no prison, now. there's no music playing at the time, and a bunch of people are like, "What the fuck is going on?" But then the inmates, like the other inmates, apparently kind of knew what was going on, and so they start like yelling and like talking really loud and trying to and cover trying it up. Trying to be loud over yes, it? that was nice, of and them. it worked. Nobody goes to investigate the noise, and so the men cross the roof and then they scale a kitchen pipe down the side of the prison block, which is about a fifty foot drop. And then oh when they get down, they hop over two 12-foot barbed wire fences. Casual. I'm like, I don't, like, that would be, like, really careful. I'm sure they probably got caught up a you little bit. You rip your something. pants. Well, you're going to rip your life vest and your raft, too. Like, you need to be very careful oh, yeah, that. about all of this, really. So I'm more worried about their bare butt. That, too. They would be cold in the water with, I don't know, whatever. So they head over to the northeast shoreline. Um, near the power plant or like uh-huh. this is near the power Poland in my notes what's happening in my brain the power okay, Poland you know there was a power that. plant on the island this is actually a blind spot in the prison's network of searchlights and gun towers and then they had also brought with a concertina that Frank Morris had been playing during the prison music hours Do you know what a concertina is no. It's like a tiny accordion type deal. A tiny accordion? Yeah. They brought it with? Yeah, because Morris and his little engineering self had realized that if he removed a couple of pieces from this, that it would turn into a pump. <gasps> That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes. So See, at this point, so they used that here. to pump it up. And then it's speculated at this point that they got onto the raft with their life vests on and rowed away. According to okay. West, they were headed toward Angel Island, which was two miles north of Alcatraz. And whatever it is, like, that's what they we think happened. So, so he was a bitch and he tattled? Well, listen. Okay. So after they've gone, we're not really sure how much longer, but West does finally get through the wall opening, according to him. And he said that he went up to the roof okay. and didn't see anything and just realized that they were gone. He just was like, oh, they're gone. The life raft is gone with them. I I don't know what to do. They did actually leave behind uh, – there was multiple rafts, I guess. They left behind a small life raft and an oar for him and a life jacket. But it was dark, and he didn't see these items hidden up on the roof. So he oh. just was like, uh, I'm fucked. I can't get across this water. I'm going back to my cell. So at 7 a.m., oh. the guards go wake everybody up. And of all these four guys, they hit Morris's cell first. And the guard is like, get the fuck up. Like, get the fuck up or I'm going to have to come in there. Morris obviously like isn't getting up because of the fake head. head. So he like, he like shakes it in the fucking head, like rolls off onto the floor. <gasps> and at first he's like, shit. And then he realizes it's fake. And then they realize the other two are gone because they're in the 
cells right next to it. And so this manhunt uh-huh. is on. And the other inmates, when they realize that they got out, they start going like fucking wild, cheering. And there's like this like applause that's like erupting through the building. I bet. Yeah. It's exciting. It's an exciting day. Yeah. Nothing happens. But West is there. So it does. And they're searching all these things. So obviously West is going to get caught because he does have a fucking hole at the back of his, you know, like once they realize how they got out, there's like still a hole there. So West decides to tell the guards what happened. And people don't really know exactly what was going on, but they think that he probably used this as a bargaining chip not to get there's like because there's no record of him like getting having any sort of like punishment for this breakout. And for being involved in this, they think that he probably then, told them yeah, everything to get away with it. So he does tell them that he was the mastermind for the whole plan. What? I know. And I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, you didn't even know that concrete was going to get hard again. So I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm pretty sure it that wasn't you. you're just taking credit for these smart people who did a good job, honestly, for being prison breakers. It's just like, it's kind of silly. So. That morning, the guards do find the items that were left behind on the roof for West that he didn't find. Or so he says he didn't find. But he might have got up there, too, and been, like, scared. Or maybe he never even went through the thing afterward. I don't know. Who knows, really, what he did. But this news hits the entire country. And people were going, like, fucking wild about it. People were, like, kind of rooting for them in one way. But then they're also kind of worried that they're going to come and, like, murder them in the night or something, even though these guys aren't murderers. There are multiple military and law enforcement agencies out conducting a super extensive air, sea, and land search over the next 10 days. And on June 14th, which is three days after, a Coast Guard cutter did pick up a paddle floating about 200 yards off of the south, off of the southern shore of Angel Island, where they were apparently headed. Where they were heading. Yep. On that same day... In the same general area, workers on another boat found a wallet wrapped in plastic containing the names, addresses, and, f- and photos of the England's friends and relatives. <laughs> yeah. And so that's been like one point where people are like, oh, they definitely died because they would have brought this really important thing with them. But others theorize that maybe they left that item behind. It was like wrapped in plastic, like they were going to use it. But it, they thought that maybe hmm. they left it behind in a way to, like, throw investigators off their trail, like, making them think, like, oh, I bet they're going to go to my family right now to look for me, okay. which they totally did. But that, that's just one thing. So they find that stuff at first. And then on June 21st, they find shreds of raincoat material believed to be part of the raft. Um, this was found on a beach not far from the Golden Gate Bridge. And then the next day on June 22nd, a prison boat found a deflated life vest made from the same material about 50 yards off of Alcatraz Island. I read in one source that the FBI did test these life vests, like the one that was on top of the roof and then the one that they found in the bay. And they could uh-huh. stay inflated for about two and a half hours without being reinflated by someone. Wow. Yeah. There are some theories that people say that the FBI found other evidence as well, but the like them getting away alive made them look bad so they wanted people to think that they died so they might have covered up some that other they evidence were dead. yeah and i'll talk about some of that as well but let's talk about like potential bodies okay okay so there was a norwegian ship called the ss norafiel is how i think i say that um, so this boat, the SS Norfolk, uh, yeah, 
So they spotted a body floating in the ocean about 15 nautical miles from the Golden Gate Bridge. Like they, so this, they find it in like, like a month after, like it was like July when they found this body or they see it, but they don't retrieve the body and they also don't report it until October of that year. They don't do anything. And so... When this finally gets brought up, the San Francisco County coroner, his name was Henry Turkle, and he was like, I don't know about this theory because he's like, it's really improbable that this body is still going to be floating on the surface of the ocean after a month. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There was Uh, another guy. In July. It's really fucking hot. Yeah. Well, I don't know what is there. There Maybe was the water kept it cool. Well, it, yeah, fifty degrees in the water at this point. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, that would preserve the body, though. Well, okay, but there was a guy, thirty-four years old, unemployed banker, who had jumped from the bridge five days before the body was found, and he was never More found likely. afterward. So that's who okay, the coroner yeah, that thought it probably was. Yeah. Okay. Some of the coroners from neighboring counties disagreed, and they thought that it could be one of the escapees but i just like it's still floating though the body's floating at the top of the ocean a month later yeah that doesn't seem right it just seems like it would have gone i don't know but we don't know but we know that these guys were never caught or found dead either and so there is a potential lead alluding them to possibly escaping alive or there's a few of them but the first one i want to talk about is there was an off-duty cop the night of the escape named robert chechi i might be saying that wrong Uh, let's go with that yeah he had just gotten off of his shift that night and it's about one o'clock in the morning and he's looking out on the bay after the shift like that's just somewhere he would go sometimes to just kind of relax after his shift and he said that he yeah he was he was probably singing that song even though i don't think it existed yet so might have yeah he's looking out there sit on the dock of the bay and he sees this pristine white boat crossing the bay but it has no lights on it seems to have nobody on board that he can see and the engine is not running so he's looking harder at it because it was weird and suddenly he sees a light start flashing on the mm-hmm. boat like it's like a beam from a flashlight and then the boat starts moving uh-huh. faster the port and starboard lights come on and then the boat just disappears into the dark going toward the Golden Gate Bridge. Hmm. Yeah. He filed a report the next day after hearing about the escape attempt, but the FBI just questioned him and criticized him for not swimming out to the boat to see what was going on. Why the fuck would anyone we're saying swim out to a boat? Yeah, we're saying that these prisoners would have been like taken under by currents and like had hypothermia from being in the water. But they're telling this cop that has like no like life preserver or raft to jump in the water and, and go after a know boat that there's with a his prison arms break. and legs. Yeah, like he doesn't know there's a prison break at this point. Like, fuck them. Okay, sorry. I just thought that was a mean way for them to do it. Um, that is mean. Yes. So that happened. You know, like that could have been having to do with it. But there were a lot of other clues that came in as well. So a day after the escape, there was a lawyer named Eugenia McGowan, and she reported getting a phone call from a man who claimed to have been John Anglin. He wanted her to arrange a meeting with the U.S. Marshal's office. She refused, and then the alleged John just hung up abruptly afterward. And Wait, that was why the end did of he that situation. meet somebody then? I don't fucking know. It seemed weird. I don't know. They don't know if that was real or not. That doesn't seem right. Yeah. That wasn't him. Right. 
1965, the FBI investigated a rumor that Clarence Anglin was possibly living in Brazil. There had been sightings down there, and so they sent agents down, but they found no evidence that he was down in Brazil. A couple years later, in 1967, there was a dude that called the Bureau, and he said that he had known Morris for 30 years, that he had gone to high school with him and knew him afterward. And he said that he bumped into Morris in Maryland, and he said that Morris has a small beard and a mustache now, and then just would give them no other details. He refused to tell them anything else about Morris. Well, then why would he even call? I know. He was just like, I'm going to give you a heads up that this guy has a mustache and a small beard. Like, that's what I'm going to tell you. Like? Yes. He looks like a man. Yeah. That's all we've got from the 60s. But in 1993, a former Alcatraz inmate named Thomas Kent told America's Most Wanted, which is an old TV show from the 90s, in case you're not familiar. I am familiar. Yeah, he does an interview with them, and he said that he helped plan the escape and claimed that Clarence's what? girlfriend agreed. This is probably me in a past life. So Clarence's girlfriend agreed to help the men. <laughs> you played once with they your got hair again. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. Talk I about Clarence. Actually, help anybody Cue escape the from prison. Hair twirling. Oh, do you know who I would escape help escape from prison? You. I think you're the only person I would ever help escape from prison. You would do that for me? I, I fucking would. I fucking I would. would. I I would have a hard time if if we were kept apart by prison bars as well. Yeah, you would help me, I feel like. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this guy said that Clarence's girlfriend was like, I'll help you guys once you get to shore and I'll drive you guys to Mexico. Um, he said that he didn't go along with them on the escape, even though he planned it because he couldn't swim. But this guy was paid like $2,000 for the interview and this pretty much thought that he had a really good incentive to lie. I think he just wanted to take some kind that of like he wanted a claim to fame. fucking liar, sir. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that same year, 1993, this man named John Leroy Kelly, he is dying and he dictates a deathbed confession to his nurse. And he tells her that he and a partner picked up the guys in a boat that night which does match up with the cop guy. Okay. And he said that they transported them to Seattle. He said that he told them that he was going to transport them to Canada, but instead he murdered them to get $40,000 that they had allegedly gotten from their families somehow. Uh, He named a location that they were buried in, but no bodies were ever found there because they did go look to see if there were bodies there. And, like, we know that the Anglins didn't come from money, and Morris didn't have money either. Or yeah. Morris didn't have family even. So it's like, I don't, that doesn't seem like That doesn't me. make any sense. Yes. So now. And I want them to get out. So that's, that's not okay. Okay. So let's fast forward now to 2011. A documentary comes out on the National Geographic channel that's called Vanished from Alcatraz. And they said that contrary to the FBI report, a full raft had been discovered on Angel Island on June 12th. And there were footprints leading away from it. I don't know. I didn't watch this report. I didn't have time because I found this like information out today. Um, and I didn't have time to watch oh. this. So I'm not sure like who it came from. I'd like to say that there must be like witnesses or something that were in part of the investigation. Mm-hmm. I know there were a lot of people involved, but yeah, they do say that they found a full raft and it was on Angel Island, footprints leading away from it. 
They also found information about a possible getaway vehicle. So there, on the day after the escape, there was a 1955 blue Chevy truck with California license plate that was reported stolen. Um, and it was reported, the, the person who reported it stolen said it was stolen by three men in Marin County, which is very near that area the day after the escape. Mm-hmm. Okay, so two separate witness accounts of this incident had been reported in the Humboldt Times and the San Francisco Examiner, which were two separate papers down there. So there were two different okay. witnesses that saw this vehicle get stolen. A day after that, on June 13th, a motorist in Stockton, California, which is about 80 miles east of San Francisco, um, he reported to the California Highway Patrol that he had been forced off of the road by three men in a blue Chevy truck. So there's another collaboration that there's like a lunatics in a blue truck running around. It was them. Yes. And so when Wes told them about the escape, too, the next day, he said that they had planned to steal clothes and steal a car of some sort to get away. Like they were going to Angel Island from Angel Island. They would get to the mainland because it wasn't too bad of a situation to get there. And then they were going to steal clothes and a truck. So that kind of all falls into play with that. So clearly. Yes. Also in 2011, an 89-year-old man. So this is a guy that's 89 at the time. In 2011, he comes forward and his name is Bud Morris. And he says he's the cousin of Frank. And he said that on eight or nine occasions prior to the escape, he had delivered envelopes of money to Alcatraz guards, which he thought, like, I don't think he was, like, responsible for the money. I think he just took the money from somebody to the prison for Frank. But he said that he thought he Uh was delivering bribes for guards prior to the escape. And so he said that after the escape, he did meet up with Frank face-to-face in a San Diego park. And... He had his daughter with him, who was eight or nine at the time. She backed up his claim, saying she remembers going to the park with him when she was a kid and that she remembered meeting her dad's friend, Frank, there. Solved. Yes. Okay. They made it. Yes. Fast forward to 2013. A letter shows up at the San Francisco Police Department, allegedly from John England. It said, England. It said, my name is John England. I escaped from... Alcatraz in June 1962. We all made it that night, but barely. It claims that the three lived into old age, and it said that Clarence died in 2008, and then Morris had died three years prior to that in 2005. He tried to make a deal with the authorities, saying, if you announce on TV that I will be promised just to go to jail for no more than a year and get medical attention... I will write back to let you know exactly where I am. He said he was 83 years old and was in bad shape because he had cancer. Oh, no. Yes. The letter also said that he had lived in Seattle most of his life, but spent eight years in North Dakota. And he said that he was currently located in Southern California, but didn't say where. The letter was submitted to the FBI laboratory for forensic handwriting analysis, and it was compared to all escapees' handwriting, but the results were inconclusive. It's theorized that perhaps somebody else could have written this for him. If he was unwell mm-hmm. and older, he might have been kind of shaky at the time. He could you know, have been so shaky. like maybe telling somebody else to write it for him and using a different pen. But sure. That was the thing. So the Marshalls didn't tell the family that this note was turned in ever. And they never put anything on TV because they thought it was a joke or like a hoax, basically. And the family yeah. was kind of pissed out when they found like the England family because they're like, what if we had some last years with John? Like, what if we could have 
had they, some time with them. So, so like, they, they, didn't they never went back to their later. family? No, they didn't. I'll talk about the family in a little bit. But, yeah, like, this is, like, that part is shitty. Like, they could have maybe had, you know, time with their shitty. family. So that was 2013 when the letter showed up. So in 2014, there was a study done by a Dutch scientist from Delft University, which is Dutch. I just said that. Sorry. Um, so it reveals this whole <laughs> new theory as well. Okay. So they did a lot of analysis on the tide patterns from that night. They were able to determine, like, exactly what the tides were doing at what time from old data. And they determined that if they had left between 11.30 p.m. and midnight, so in this half an hour window, basically, the tide connections, like the conditions there would have taken them to the base of the Golden Gate Bridge. But then any debris that they left behind would have floated to Angel Island. So they could have gone straight to the mainland and then like left their shit okay. out and the stuff could have gone over to Angel Island where they found it. He also uh -huh. ran a simulation that suggested that the men could have survived in the cold bay for at least two and a half hours that evening, even if the life raft raft had failed based on the water conditions. Because, like, they talk about, like, wow. how they would have died from hypothermia and stuff, but they could have been in there, and like, two and a half hours to get two miles. And they were polar plungers. And they were polar plungers. Yes, exactly. So... He did say, though, that if they had left before 11.30 p.m., I don't know how long it takes to get over. You know, like, 10.30, they leave. They have to get over these two fences, climb all these things, inflate the rafts. Like, it could be, you know, like an hour to an hour and a half. Like, that seems like it yeah. could be likely that that's when they would have gotten out there. There is some speculation that maybe they left earlier in the night, too. Just 10.30 was the time that I saw. I found, like, different versions of it in different places. So I don't know. But... I mean, it could have happened. It's just a thing that could have happened. Um, 2015. Okay. So two nephews of the England brothers come forward with a new lead in the case. They make, they decide to like get together with some network and they make this show called Alcatraz Search for the Truth. And I watched this one. Mm -hmm. So they do this all on camera and it's, kind of ridiculous i think that one of the nephews was like writing a book at the time and he was trying to like get it out there but he Make they do money. have some yeah. actual stuff okay so on camera they get hooked up with this retired u.s marshal who used to be the lead investigator on the case and these guys still live in ruskin florida um, with other members of the england family and they claim that like well we do know sorry i won't say that they claim like there are claims that had come forward in the 60s and 70s that there were sightings of the England brothers in both Georgia and Florida. Mm -hmm. These two nephews, they bring the marshal, like when they first start off talking, they bring the marshal like a whole bunch of like postcards and cards and notes that they had received throughout the years in their family. They're mostly unsigned, but one was signed Jerry and another card was signed Jerry and Joe um, which was weird. They were just like random like Christmas cards that would just show up without postage on them. And then there was a Christmas card that they claimed appeared in the mailbox in 1962 that said, to mother from John, Merry Christmas. This one, again, had no postmarks on it. They said... It could just be people fucking with yeah, them, too, exactly. because of who they are. For real, yeah. These all, like, yeah. Um, one of their uncles, because they had like the they had like eleven uncles and aunts from this family that were 
you know, like all uh-huh. siblings. So one of their uncles, Robert, said that sometimes their phone would ring and he could just hear like breathing on the other end. He did knew that it could possibly be a prank, but he was like, maybe it could have been my brother's. Yeah. Um, the England brother's mother would receive flowers anonymous, uh, anonymously every Mother's Day until her death in 1973. Aww. At her funeral, there were two tall, strange-looking women in heavy makeup. At her funeral? Let's <laughs> um, see. And then in 1989, when their dad died, there were two strangers in, like, thick beards that showed up at the funeral who stood in front of the casket looking at the body for a few minutes cried a little bit, and then walked out quickly. So the marshal hears all that. The funeral stories are the creepiest. They're the creepiest, but again, we can't prove anything here. So the marshal's like, yeah, okay, like, yeah, like, I understand, but you can't prove any of this. And so then very dramatically, the nephews are like, listen, we have this photo here. And it's this picture of two dudes. You can tell it's very, like, 1970s. It's kind of, like, fuzzy. Um, It looks very much like a picture that would have been taken in 1975. And they say that this photo Uh was given to them in the 90s by a family friend named Fred Breezy. This guy said that he was in a bar in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil in the 70s. Like, in 1975, he's down in this bar and he looks over and he's like, holy shit, that's the one of the Anglin brothers. Like, holy shit, I grew up with the these guys. Anglin. And so he's like, hey, man. And they're like, oh, my God, we're living down here. Let us take you back. We have a farm down here that we. So this is Brazil. And like there was a claim from Brazil what? earlier. And so Breezy, who was. But Breezy is also like a bad guy, too. He's like was kind of crazy with them and had some issues. But so. He goes with them to their farm. He takes this photo of the two of them. And uh-huh. like they have like little 1970s mustaches. They don't look attractive anymore. And <laughs> anymore. this is when I fall in love with Clarence. Okay. Um, no, okay. So okay. Yeah. So this is this is pretty crazy. So uh they this breezy guy, he did give them that photo, obviously, so he could give it to them. So they're like, okay. We're going to hand this over to you, retired U.S. Marshal. Um, he's no longer an active U.S. Marshal. And there's a different guy that's on the case now, the U.S. Marshals. They're like, uh, like he was like, OK, well, we have to bring this to the real lead investigator that we have now. And the like the brothers, the nephews, you know, are skeptical of working directly with the marshals at this point. Mm-hmm. So the marshals have been harassing their family since the 60s. Like trying to like, get dude, information and like thinking think? that the guys were going to come around. I guess if I was in the U.S. Marshals, I would have shown up for those funerals maybe and looked for strange people. Yeah. Um, but I do know that like it was it was a bad situation is what they portrayed it as on the show. And so they tell them they're like, we we're not like, let's go. We're going to go meet with this new marshal, but we don't trust him. And so they go meet with him and they straight up tell him that. And they're, they're like, we don't trust you with this information. Like we don't. We don't trust that you guys are going to actually look at it. So we'd like to set it up with a third party that can look at this photo for us and let us know. And they can give you the evidence and give us the evidence at the same time. And so they send it to a third party forensic artist who is like an expert um, on like looking up facial features and things like that, especially with this I'm old an photo. expert face person. Yes. Well, I guess they were like, I mean, it looked like they did know what they were talking about. So. 
After this expert analyzes the photo, it's concluded that it is very highly likely that the men in the photo are the Anglin brothers. He does talk through like the hairline, like the forehead, uh-huh. like all these features on the face. Like it is a fuzzy picture, but there are things that it's like you can tell that, that like they really are very similar. Up. And it is it's an old picture, so it's not like it's not like a new looking photo, you know, that people it doesn't look like it's something that yeah. somebody would have like photoshopped because yeah, yeah. it looks like it's from the 70s. He said like so we go back to like what this breezy guy really told the guys when he saw them down in Rio de Janeiro. So they told him that they had lived there since the escape and they told him that they would tie a rope that they tied a rope to a boat and kind of like body surfed behind the boat, like being dragged behind <laughs> the boat and just kind of like Right. right behind it undetective in the dark. So, so the people on the boat knew? Or did they hit I'm not sure. Ride? That part, I don't know. It was kind of limited information. But there is like a new theory that they brought about, like saying that they could have been towed by an unknowing boat in the direction of the getaway right. boat, got kind of over there, and then like swum themselves, like swum, swam over to... The white boat that we talk about. Yeah, they swum to the other boat. Um, they swum to the white boat. I don't boat. know. Like, it could, they could have gone to that, that boat that the off duty cop saw and gotten on there. And then, when the, you know, like when they went off to the Golden Gate Bridge. So, I don't know. That could be it. But that's, you know, like a really huge possibility there showing that they might have actually gotten away and escaped to Brazil. Um, mm-hmm. There have been other people that have like looked into different things as well. So, the TV show Mythbusters, I don't know what year it is, but they are based out of San Francisco and they were like, we really need to try to figure this shit out since we're based out of here. And so they did a test from Alcatraz to San Francisco um, trying to see if a raft made out of those materials could get across. And so they like they basically like made a raft out of the same materials using the same methods that were used. And they did make it across the water there they apparently had to like keep blowing into it to keep it afloat so it was like really hard it was a lot of work because they're like rowing but then they also have to like blow into the Mm -hmm. raft to keep it from deflating and so they like especially if they were going to angel island like the first theory or the like the real plan that that the first guy knew you know like mythbusters theorized that the escapees could have used the tides to go to a different location than Angel Island instead. So they said that they, let's see here, they could have gone over to Marin Headlands, Headlands, and like Marin was the county that the truck was stolen in, though, if you remember that. So yeah, um, yeah. They said that basically, like, it was plausible for them to be able to make it over there. Um, it's pretty crazy to see like all the things. Um, let's see here. It showed that the belongings of the prisoners found in the bay afterward could have been released by the prisoners and washed up where they were found through strategic use of the bay's tides to throw authorities off their trail. Is what they thought maybe. So the escape raft would have washed up ashore on Angel Island, but that wouldn't have left footprints on Angel Island either. So that's a different. I mean, yeah. like if there were really footprints there, I don't know about that one. Other things to know, like everybody says you can't swim across that without dying of hypothermia or being pulled under by a current, but there is actually an annual, like there's an annual event every year now 
where people swim from Alcatraz to San Francisco, sometimes without wetsuits. And there appear to be, like, there's, like, people there to help rescue you if they think you're going to die. But there's also guides, like, you can swim oh, across, cool. like, any time. So there's guides that will help you, like, swim. And one of them has done this, like, close to a thousand times. There's even a report of a nine-year-old what? doing the swim at one point, which I'm kind of worried about that person's parents. I'm here. Yeah. Like, I'm, what? I'm worried you're about nine-year-old? that person's parents. I don't think that that. Don't do that. I think that should happen. So all in all. The case is unsolved. The U.S. Marshals will keep the case open and will continue looking for them until they would reach the age of 99, which would be in 2030. And if they were found alive, they would be arrested. Are you serious? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I think that I shouldn't root for the bad guys, but I am. Yeah. Me too. Completely rooting for the bad guys. Like, I want them to live. And I think that they made it, and I think that they went to Brazil. I think they went to Brazil, too. I just, like, think about, I'm like, they weren't murderers or rapers, at least, that I know of. So I feel more comfortable with it. I feel like Alcatraz is a really bad place. And these were, like, they were really long sentences. I get it that they were, like, career criminals, but that seems like really long sentences that they got for what they had done, especially, like, not harming people necessarily with what they had done. Like, not harming them physically. I know that financially they would have. I don't like it. Like, if they put they put so much work into it that you kind of, like, have to root for them a little bit. Really... Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I've had things stolen from me. Yeah. And it's very violating. You know, it's violating. It pisses you off. Um, it's terrible. But this is just one of those cases where, like, they put so much work into this. And well, like, death how long? is not... I wouldn't want somebody to die if they stole things from me. I mean, like, they chose to get no. off the island, but Alcatraz... Maybe they felt like they were suffocating at Alcatraz. Maybe their mental health was I mean... State. I don't know. Normally, I wouldn't be like, let them out. You know, I'm not saying let out the bad guys uh, that are stealing stuff. I'm just saying this is one of those different kind of situations... It's like you're watching a movie. It is, and, and there like, are. I'm not supposed to this. want you to yeah. to win, but rooting for the underdog. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I I'd like to think that they got out. I mean, like there's there's a lot. I mean, like you have found no bodies. Like I get it that like bodies yeah. do get lost. Like people jump off the Golden Gate Bridge, and a lot of them aren't recovered. Uh, but a lot of them mm-hmm. are at the same time as well. I'm not familiar with the area, but I don't know. Whatever it. I don't think we'll ever know for sure, but I think that that photo felt like it was pretty solid to me, like yeah. being able to see it. If you look it up, like if you Google it, you'll you'll find that photo. Um, and if you just look at like the hairline and like the noses, especially like they had like little goatees and mustaches um, and they definitely look very 1970s ish in in that picture. Well, for me, the whole the thing about the parents funerals. Yeah, that, that seems, seems likely. Like, like it, like more likely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not done yet. That's the escape story, but I do want to just like back up to the 1960s again. So, after this prison break and the one that was like a little bit after that that failed, like they did shut the prison down in 1963 due to high operating costs and the deteriorating facilities. We talked about how the sea air was really kind of not 
the, the concrete wasn't holding up the way that they had hoped. Eroding everything. With that. Yeah, exactly. So um, today, right. Alcatraz Island is open as a tourist attraction, and it's part of the Golden Gate National Recreational Area. And you may want to go so cool to ghost go. hunting there if you ever went. And I so, do. Yeah, Alcatraz is considered to be one of the most haunted locations in the entire U.S., over the years, there have been numerous reports and accounts that have emerged suggesting paranormal activity on the island. So let's talk about deaths that happened at Alcatraz. We know that there were eight people murdered by other inmates in Alcatraz. There were five suicides. That's it? Yeah, only eight. Five suicides and then 15 people died from natural causes there. Hmm. So that just seems like very low. Yeah, I know, right? Over 30 yeah. years, it's not that many people that have died. So many visitors, staff members, and former inmates even. So this place was haunted back in the day as well. So they claim to experience strange phenomena at Alcatraz. So they might hear unexplained sounds, footsteps, voices, or even see apparitions. So one of the most famous reported hauntings at Alcatraz is the Birdman. The Birdman. I thought you were going to sing Bird is the Word, so I like, took a step. Like, no, a I was going to say... Okay. No, no, no. The doc loves to do this one. He does. He goes, Birdman and Bird Boy. Like, he loves know. to say that. Who do you think Bird Boy is, though? Like, he doesn't have He a says side it's fit. from some kind of cartoon when we were kids, and I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know. I just, like, I want to see loves the Bird, Bird Boy. Okay. Well, all right, so visitors report hearing bird calls and feel a presence associated with Stroud's spirit. Or Stroud's spirit, sorry. In the prison's hospital ward, where the Birdman spent a significant portion of his time, there is a hot spot of paranormal paranormal activity where visitors report feeling cold spots, hearing moans, and witnessing ghostly figures in the area. Not the moans. Yes. The utility corridor, known as the Dark Hole, is another location that has paranormal things going on in it. It's a really dimly lit, narrow passage where inmates were sometimes sent for disciplinary reasons. And so visitors there will report feeling an intense negative energy and they experience unexplained sensations in the area. I don't know what sensations means. Like what? Like getting their butt pinched? Yeah, probably. Like a... Maybe like, like a rub on your butt or something. I'm not sure. That's Strange sensations that they don't want to talk about. I bet it's sexual. Um, okay. Um, I bet somebody ghost them. Yes, probably. But okay. The cell blocks themselves. So visitors claim to hear like cell doors slamming shot on their own or like having slammed like cell doors slam on their own. They'll hear disembodied mm-hmm. voices and inexplainable feelings of being watched and Cell 14D specifically, there was an inmate who had died after screaming that a creature was going to kill him. So I don't know Ew. if it was one of the guys that it died was an from albatross. causes. So an albatross maybe was going to like kill him. But if you go into 14D, you might feel an extreme coldness wrap around you as if the spirits are present. And you can hear him screaming mm. when you're in that cell. It's the bird wrapping yes. its arm wings around it. Yeah, and then on the entirety of the A, B, and C blocks, you might hear moaning or crying. You might run into a ghost named the Butcher, and he's somebody that was assassinated there in the 1940s. The Butcher? Yeah. Did he butcher people? I'm not really sure. Or he might have just been a butcher by trade. Not sure. But he's not nice. Oh. 
That's really um, good for you. Yeah. The prison's lighthouse, which is no longer operational, um, has paranormal activity as well. So you might see apparitions or experience unexplained phenomena in or, in or around the lighthouse. And then... Um, lighthouse. Yeah. So... I don't know. There's a, been a lot of investigation teams. I think if you went on like Discovery and you searched for Alcatraz, you'd probably get some of them, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. that you could watch. But those are just some of the things that might happen to you at Alcatraz if you go. Creepy. Yes. So that is everything I have on this Whew. story, which I thought I wouldn't have a lot on Alcatraz, but I guess I really dug in deep. It all had to do with that with the bad boy it did i was like enthralled with i don't is that a word i don't know <laughs> yeah enthralled that that uh i don't know i it wasn't all about him like it's a like and it's not a usual case it would cover like it's not a murder but it is crime in the end it's it's crimey it's old and i mean it's been 50 years since these guys escaped and it's unsolved. It's kind of a mystery. It's a really a mystery. It's grimy, old-fashioned grimy. I hope that they find them someday. It would be amazing if they were, like, found their bodies or just in find, Brazil or something. Yeah, like, find remnants or they find somebody that's in Brazil that has, like, actual, like, real photos of them. Yeah, or just, like... I was like, what about the third guy? Like, it'd be cool if, like, they, like, what if, like, one of them, like, had children afterward or something, and they do, like, a 23andMe, and they're a Brazilian person that (gasps) comes back, and they, like, match, you know, like, who knows? Yeah. Um, so, that's the brothers, but, like, what about that other third guy? Oh, the Morris guy? Nobody really knows. Like, Like, apparently, he kept in touch. Like, I don't know if he was in Brazil or not. Like, there was that one guy that said that he knew him in Maryland. And who knows? They could have split. And the two guys might have been like, we're going to go to Brazil and hop back here when right. something important happens in our family, but not tell anybody. I mean, like, they, if the brothers did, like, pop up around Georgia and Florida, they could have also really been, they could have, like, realized that the family was under surveillance or known. They did, I mean, like, if they had left that wallet or even if they realized, like, oh, shit, I forgot the wallet. Like, we accidentally lost the wallet mm-hmm. that night. Like, they would have realized that going to the family would have been a dangerous situation for them. Right, but, for the family, Yeah, but too. I think if they had been in the U.S. that they would have definitely committed more crimes, you would think. Like, they went from being... Like, you're not going to, like, do crimes your whole life and then just go straight suddenly. Unless you well, were, like, really probably... proud of your prison break from Alcatraz and you didn't want to fuck that. I mean, like, that was probably a really hard situation. So, maybe. Also, probably was hard for them to not brag about it. But, yeah, like, who knows? Like, maybe somebody's grandpa is Frank Morris in Maryland. You know, like, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe they they figured things out in the end and got themselves straight afterward. I'd like to think that, or maybe they are dead. Maybe this, I mean, there's like a lot yeah. of different theories that came up after, but it just seems likely to me that they were probably the people that stole that truck. And I think so. And got away. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. it would have made the FBI look really bad to like have people escape from it because then other inmates are going to think that they can escape 
like the FBI yeah. maybe wouldn't want people to know that it was actually escapable after all, even though they were like the water is the thing that's going to keep them. Like we have all <sighs> these things, but then we also have the water just in case. And we also have a nine-year-old. That and now nine-year-olds are just getting it done. So who knows? Right. Well, that was a good one. That was that was really interesting. I know, right? Um, yeah. It was. Cool. Well, thanks for listening and thanks guys for being patient to get this one um with a little break in between yes, Mother's you. Day. All right. Yeah. Goodbye. <gasps> Wait. What? But they have to look forward to next time is what? Episode fifty two. Oh that my god. Marks we'll have an entire, entire year it's our pot anniversary. oh my god i don't remember what date we released our first one i think we had a two week i um two weeks in have no our first idea and second episodes because of the covid that i got in new orleans um also it was like a big surprise to me that we actually even released an episode that's true because i thought we were just talking about maybe doing this like we were going to give it a shot and then you were like yeah i did a thing and i was like you did what and you were I like i don't think anybody would listen it's to on it. spotify well i didn't think anybody would listen to it and then like very few people listened to it and we still don't have a lot well, of listeners but we're definitely growing i'm feel i feel optimistic about our future and then you did a tarot reading on us right before this. Yeah. And it said that we could quit our jobs soon. I'm just kidding. We're not anywhere near so, that unless something crazy happens. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're going to need everybody to really pitch in on this. Yes. Yeah. We are like we're growing well, anyway. at a really good rate, though. I'm feeling good about it. Me too. I, I really do think that we should discuss what we're going to do for the podiversary. I think that maybe it should be like it needs to be something. Some. Really okay. Cool. Well, let's discuss it, guys. D- get your hopes up or don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably don't. I'd rather you be surprised than disappointed in us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's sign off now for reals. All right, goodbye. 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 Goodbye.